Hi, welcome to Morning Talk Show. Um, today is another repeat guest, someone who's been on the on, I believe, the first episode of the podcast, John Verveke. Um, John is someone who's been very important in my life um, because he's he's got just a lot of content uh, on the internet, especially on YouTube. Um, that really is just sharing his journey of um, cognitive in cognitive science. Um, which cognitive science brings together all of the sciences and all of the disciplines, really, and institutions that deal with human consciousness. So there's psychology and there's neuroscience and, and that kind of thing, but there's also um, spirituality and, and, and various kind of um, uh, consciousness-expanding kind of psychotechnologies, as he calls them. So John is super fun to talk to because he's got... Um, He's got his own kind of language and lexicon to talk about consciousness and to talk about human connection. And he's passionate about conversation, which is one of the reasons that he's so important to me. Um, and this conversation didn't disappoint. I mean, he is someone who is really with you in conversation. You can see it. And, uh, and he, he'll follow you and you follow him and, and you have this reciprocal, uh, what he calls dialogos or dialogue, but it's, it's, it gets it gets pretty deep. It feels deep to me. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, I think it's unlikely you will enjoy it as much as I did because this is the kind of thing <laughs> that I just absolutely live for. This is why I have a podcast. So um, yeah, if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe and hit the bell. Um, if you're on an a audio podcast platform, please subscribe there. And I hope you enjoy this conversation with John Verveke. That's the awkwardness of this current age. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, well, uh, I, I've I've now started recording, um, but uh, I um, are you uh, kind of ready to go? I'm ready to go. Yep. Okay. I just um, came off my monthly Q and A, so I'm all in discussion mode. Okay, good. Yeah, you're probably more warmed up than I am. I just came off of a day of mindless work at my day job at this very desk, so <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> we're, we're not right. in the same position, but. Uh, so, uh, John Verveke, welcome back to Morning Talk Show. Um, you don't know what a thrill it is to say welcome back. Um, yeah, that's great to be here again. Thank you. It, it, it's so great, uh, actually, and, and it's an embarrassment of riches because I had another return guest. I just re recorded with uh, Mark Vernon a couple a few oh, days ago, yeah, a second absolutely. one. And so oh, yeah. I, I cannot believe. Oh, sorry, go ahead. How is Mark? Uh, he's, he, he seems awesome. Um, good, good, good. yeah, Glad yeah. He's, he's doing well. He, he, um, uh, we were, he was reading a book. He was actually, uh, kind of missed the appointment at one point because, uh, he uh, was so absorbed in a new book. So it, it sounded like an amazing one I'm going to read. So anyway, yeah, he's, all, he's never short of, uh, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Very fascinating guy. That's for sure. Yeah. And he's like yourself in that he, he has a kind of, you know, it's not like, either of you guys are, um, you could talk about everything in the world. You have your universe of, you have your universe of thoughts and ideas, uh, almost like a little ecosystem and, and yeah. speaking to you, um, is like entering into that world, which is something I really, I really enjoy and appreciate. No, thank you for saying that. Yeah, no problem. So, um, yeah. So the first time I had you, uh, on my show, you were I, an assistant professor, I think, uh, or yeah. is, is that right? I'm, I'm now an associate professor. Yeah, now I've got, an associate. Uh, yeah, permanent status. Yep. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
and this whole time uh in the elapsing year or two i guess um you you've been just churning out uh all kinds of great conversations and yeah. so uh, it, it's clearly a um it's clearly a huge priority it must be a huge priority for you to have uh conversations constantly have conversations with people. yeah it is it is um so i i mean and uh, Part of that prioritization came out of a conversation with one of my favorite conversation partners, Jordan Hall, and he talked about, uh, you know, we need a meta psychotechnology, and that launched me into uh, looking back into history and forward into science. Like I, I, I those are the, the the stereoscopic move I always make, mm. <clears throat> and uh, zeroing in on this, you know, the, all these emerging discourse practices, authentic discourse practices, and then the ancient Socratic tradition of dialectic into dialogos, and then trying to get as much of that history and as much of participant observation of the current, all these emerging communities and use the best I can of cognitive science to stitch those two together and try to constantly work out uh, what this is. Uh, Christopher Master Pietro and I have uh, edited an anthology called Inner and Outer Dialogues that is about all of this thing. It's, it's, it's under review right now at, uh, at the publisher. Mm -hmm. So um, trying to work out what this is and develop it and exemplify it, working with a lot of great people with Guy Senstock, Jordan Hall, Peter Lindbergh, Christopher Master Pietro, mm -hmm. um, uh, just a ton, ton of people, Thomas and Elizabeth in Germany. Oh, I owe Thomas an email. Um, <laughs> just, just fantastic, fantastic work. Um, wow. So th th this has become a priority for me um, because I think the dialectic the psychotechnology, the meta psychotechnology of dialectic into dialogos um, will really help us to access and activate and accentuate uh, the, in, the collective intelligence of distributed cognition and ratchet it up into something like collective wisdom that is very much needed right now for helping to guide people as they curate ecologies of practices for themselves and the groups they belong to. So that's very urgent for me right now. And, and the other goal of it is to try and model ways of bringing communing back into communication as, a, um, as an alternative or perhaps even an antidote uh, to, the, to the now increasingly vicious uh, adversarial um, winner take all kind of, it's not even dialogue anymore. It's just sort of shouting yeah. yeah it's like the worst of the individual and the worst of the collective yeah, uh, yeah. It, uh, are yeah. both uh, on on display in in many people or, i mean i and i i don't when i say in many people i immediately feel a twinge of uh i don't like to judge yeah, uh, yeah. what's in what's inside other people but that's what would appear to be uh, that that's the spirit that would appear to be on the rise yeah. right that would yeah. that's yeah. the cage that people would appear to be in um, and so, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. And I think that it's, I mean, when I say it, I mean, I think your commitment to, um, to stereoscopic thinking, uh, you know, is so great. I mean, you don't even write, you don't even write books by yourself. And nope. I nope. know that, you know, I'm, I'm totally confident that that's not because you, uh, couldn't write a book by yourself, but it's because you understand the, the ironing, iron sharpening iron that takes place uh, with, uh, you know, in Dialogos. Um, if, yep. if I could just define a couple terms, because uh, I definitely, 
Uh, I know the terms that are flying around somewhat. I mean, I, I, I'm not an expert on them, but dialog uh, so dialectic would be two people talking. Dialogos would sort of be the third. Am I right in thinking it's kind of the, the third spirit in that or the-, uh, the Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of distinguishing with the, them. With the sort of sacred yep. connection of identities uh, that yes. takes place. So you can have dialectic without dialogos. Um, right, so dialectic is something you can practice. You like it's a it, there's a pedagogical program that leads into a something you practice right, right, right and but what it does is it basically trains you and other people individually because dialectic is both for practiced individually and collectively it trains you so that dialogos is much more likely to catch fire between you and other people right yeah, so it's not it's not like you pull up it's not like you pull the dialectic machine and you know dialogos comes out right it's it's, it's much more right like you know sometimes when you if you if both people are and this is only a, a weak analogy right but if both people are appropriately present and trained when you spar you get into a mutual flow state right it right. doesn't mean every time you spar you're going to get into a flow state but right if, exactly. but, but if people bring in the right training and the right commitment the right orientation they've had the right pedagogical program then it's much more likely yeah. to take shape and, and that brings up one more thing here and i sure. want to say mm -hmm. we, the thing about dialogos is not only the collective wisdom, you, 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 you exactly touched on it. People from both religious and non-religious backgrounds, and I've experienced it myself, you have an experience of something that, yeah, transcends the individuals. That's, uh, uh, Chris and I use the word Geist, the German word, which means sort of mind, right. spirit, intelligibility, yeah, that like takes that. shape. And, and, and people's, people's response to that is a, is a sense of not only connecting the, they, they, there's this three dimensions of enhanced connections. They, they feel they are simultaneously more connected to themselves, to each other, and to the world, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, and and, and it, when when I've experienced it, when I've been fortunate enough to experience it, it's also it, it definitely transcends the intellectual. Yes, uh, yes. which is a, a super important. And and I, I like and I find, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned dialogos happening on the individual level. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I, I, I've kind of experienced that. Uh, is, is that something? Well, I don't even know what to say. I, I just feel like I, I've, I began at a certain point asking myself questions. Uh, and yeah. And, yeah. and 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 I guess in, when I'm blessed to experience it, it's, it's because I expected a new answer or I or I uh, was was actually seeking a new answer and was seeking an honest answer to the question, which is which can, I think it obviously it can't help but feed into uh, the the, di the dialogos with other people. Um, yeah. What, what what I was going to say, what really leapt out at me as almost almost funny uh, to hear you talk about all, all of this work that you do because you do a, a ton of day job work and then you meet with. Yeah random i mean people like myself who are just uh, kind of out of nowhere you, you were one of my first podcast interviews uh right. and, and what was so be beautiful about it was that you said you're trying to figure out what this is it's like yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. i i i'm so i mean yeah i i am touched by that and it, it, yeah there is something humorous about it in the modernist kind of uh framework to mm. think about someone uh, working at this goal for so long and still saying that what you're trying to do is determine what it is. And to me, that is, that, that's just like, there, there's almost no better summation of, of maybe what faith might actually be. Uh, in, yeah. 
yeah. like you yeah. are to by my definition you are expressing faith in your action you know that faith isn't is an action active thing what do you or you're you have a thoughtful face well i just i, I think that's lovely i i think uh Jordan Hall and I have been talking about that and also a bunch of recent ones on the relationship, uh, right relationship to the sacred. Um, yeah, for me, faith is not the affirmation of beliefs that don't have good argument or evidence. Faith is that sense of being called and caught up in a process that I, I do not just receive or make, but that I participate in. And, it, and it's drawing me along a course of action, a course right. of exploration, a course of development. And so the, the, the analogy I often use is how you're faithful to the person you, to the people you love. You, right. you, it, 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 it's not about claiming you have the absolute, the propositions that absolutely capture them. In fact, that would definitely undermine you being faithful to them. It's about that you're caught up um, in, in, in the way in which they are unfolding. And perhaps you're allowing them to be caught up in the way you're unfolding if, yes. if you want, right? But that sense of falling in love being drawn along that that there's uh, that you're participating in something that has a life of its own and you mm -hmm. and you have reverence and care for that life of its own that's taking shape yes that's very much what i mean when i use the word faith and you don't and you're not freezing a person in the state the sorry no. state that they were in in your own understanding yeah whenever you just happen to become too lazy to uh think about them anymore you know yeah and we do and, and that's i mean we get you know we, we we suffer from ways in which we freeze other people because of our ignorance our inertia our immaturity um and, and so um yeah it's toxic sorry go ahead many relationships sort of flounder when they hit that um and you know and i've had relationships flounder for that reason my own immaturity for example, or my own inertia, mm -hmm. uh, my own ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think one of the things that could, one of the ways we could redress the, the super salience and overburdening of rom that romanticism is put on our romantic relationships is if we had an independent faith, right? This dynamic continuity of being coupled to sacred, like sacred dimensions of an inexhaustible reality. If we mm -hmm. had a faith that could then tutor us to how to be properly faithful, mm. right? So instead of putting all of our faith into our romantic relationships, could we have a broader faith that then helped us to be more faithful in our romantic right. relationships? That's something right. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of reflecting on right now. It's a, I think of it as, as toxic knowledge and there does have to be, I think it's kind of, there does have to be something bigger than the person so that you can, uh, there has to be a faith in something bigger than the person. And actually, this this brings me to to something I was just thinking about. Um, right. I've been I've been speaking with a um, a materialist friend. I mean, yeah, I actually think he's not as much of a materialist as he seems because he he's very pleasant to talk to. He is an atheist <laughs> and very intelligent. And um, one of the things that came up because I've uh, he 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 sort of with respect, wanted me to sort of explain what spirituality would be or, mm -hmm. or why, I mean, I personally am a Christian. Uh, and uh, I realized that uh, right away that our big tension was that I was taking a lot of words and terminology as um, 
transcendent uh, in the sense right. that uh, we're always just using words to flounder around them. And I, right. I think of the word as almost like you see the word in relief against the light shining from behind the word. You know right, what I right, mean? Right, right, words right, like yeah. faith, words like spirit, words like spirituality, yeah. words yeah. like soul, yeah. these yeah. things that I, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're real. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's important for me to say that I don't know if they're real. And so then, I mean, it's not hard to, it wasn't hard after a while of talking to make the leap that, um, that the notion of things being bigger than their definition is kind of a quintessential, bigger than their verbal definition, their understood definition, their Webster's dictionary definition is essential to, um, a kind of freeing of the spirit or something like that, because yeah. you can, yeah. you can look at, you can apply the exact same thinking to a human being as you apply to these terms. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, yeah. When I think of spirituality in a weird way, I'm thinking of a person. Uh, I, I'm thinking of something beyond, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like the people, uh, the blind, you know, the blind men with the elephant and they're supposed to describe right. the elephant. I've got a hold of the trunk of the elephant, um, but there's a whole body and, you know, ears and, and everything that I can't feel right now and, maybe, and may never feel. Uh, but there's an intuition that there's more going on. And so it becomes almost this, uh, leap. I mean, it, is, it certainly is a leap of faith because I, I kind of realized that for him, um, there was there there is and for everyone there is a comfort in known definitions there is a comfort yeah. like you you put on a, a relationship or you put on a word like you put on a worn in pair of slippers and they provide you the same warmth each time uh you know <laughs> as you yeah. move around uh and uh, and then somebody somebody comes in and says those aren't even slippers you know what i mean <laughs> like or like and it, and it is frustrating um this is not really a question it's just kind of um, an observation yeah, well, moving good, on with what you're saying. It's a good one. I mean, uh, I like, like, go, go back to the, uh, like you said, the, uh, the parable of the men and the elephant, the blind men. Um, notice what the blind men have to do. If they try to hang on to where they're touching the elephant, they're going to remain locked into that limited perspective. What do they have to do? They have to develop skills of movement and continuity of contact. That's what I was talking about earlier. Continuity of contact and openness uh, to there being more than what they have felt already. Right, and they, they, so they have to allow their hand to continually reconform, so to maintain continuity of contact and transform itself in its shape and how they're touching and how it's moving. If they're going to get a better picture, while also always acknowledging, and the, the more they journey, the more they will be willing to uh, make this admission that the elephant is going to transcend how much they could possibly touch it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, mm -hmm. I, I agree very much with that. And I think, I think our capacity for that, that adaptive, evolving coupling to things that um, we only have a partial contact with, that can either be frightening to people, or we can understand it, at, and it's, it's been frightening to me at times, but we can understand it as also the affordance of uh, the fact that what's, what's, what's happening is that the, the space where we have not yet touched is in some sense inexhaustible to us. And to go from thinking of the, the sacred as something that we possess 
to being like, like I was trying to use with the extended analogy as rather being something that continually leads us and affords us to move. And mm. so part of what I'm doing is trying to propose that with the help of people like Jordan Hall um, as a new way of trying to understand the sacred. And so you, 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 you get, well, Dialogos, you get back to Logos, you get back, Her Heraclitus, don't listen to me, don't listen to my words, listen to the Logos, right, right, mm, and, and yeah. so he was, right, and, and the Logos is, yeah. although the Logos, you know, is, is present in the words, it's not captured in the words, like mm. you said, it shines through, yeah. and so, like dialogos is the practice of trying to not get fixated on the words, but to listen through and feel beyond and maintain yeah. a continuity of contact. That's what logos is yeah. with the inexhaustible. That's what I'm trying to get people to do. Yeah. What are the, what do the words, how do the words interact with your consciousness? Because we've all experienced times where somebody else has heard the same words and they didn't interact with their consciousness in the same way. And so the, yeah, the dialogos can happen even from the written, from the written word yep. into your mind if you are connect if you're really connecting yourself into it and putting yourself into what you're what you're reading um and yeah that's i mean that's that's really great i um i feel like uh what happens in in that dialogo state i want to talk about the sacred and all of that um what happens in that dialogo state is that uh uh images swirl around and 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 you you pluck them out and you and you talk about them like to yeah. yourself and yeah. you you kind of you kind of figure out why did that why did that come um sorry i'm kind of uh i'm, I'm kind of processing some things here i also wanted to say <laughs> the um <laughs> this is that's the show Pro, aaron trying to process and talk at the same time which is probably a mistake um but i also was thinking when you describe the uh when you delved a little bit more into the the blind man and the elephant that the other element of the uh, of the parable is that um there's not only your own hand on the elephant but clearly there are other people whose hands totally. are totally. on the elephant and and so instead like you know you, you wouldn't one thing you could do is go find where another person's hand is take it off and put your yeah. hand on there or yeah, you could yeah. say what are you feeling there Yep, and, exactly. and it really and, and uh in good faith and goodwill and then and then actually you know believe the truth of that that's one of my definitions saying. of the logos which is the participants get to a place that they couldn't have gotten to individually that all of the people involved come to a place where they can say there's no way i would have got there on my own that's that one of the that's one of the de defining features of it there was a moment in my first conversation with you uh, and you do this kind of thing all the time, but it was so new for me where we, uh, we were talking about the Israelites in the desert and, yeah. uh, we started talking about the manna from heaven. And I, I, I don't remember, I think that I said something about the fact that the manna was, uh, temporary the manna didn't last they, they couldn't preserve the manna and so that that was the, that was the provision given to them for that day and that day alone and somehow it sparked an idea in you and i could tell that you uh you felt a sense of excitement and investment and that was such a uh, a rush for me that yeah, it, yeah, it probably yeah. powered a lot of my enthusiasm for trying to do this podcast for for a while after that and, oh i'm glad um, that happened so i mean i only bring it up 
I, I, I don't bring it up to kind of flatter in a way, although I, I don't mind you being flattered by me. Um, I want you to like me, but, <laughs> but, but I, I also do uh, just think uh, I would like to infect people with this feeling that this process can happen um, and that, and that the, yeah. it can happen with people who you don't, who don't have the qualifications necessarily not that see qualifications isn't the right word because they're cognitive qualifications but yeah. the people who don't people don't necessarily tick every box of of your um initiation or or yeah. something of, of what yeah. you feel they should and that it can that you can really get a lot more out of the world and out of every relationship uh the more you can approach people uh yeah this way. i think I mean, another way of thinking about Dialogos is you get into a shared and therefore more sustainable collective flow state and that flow state. And what happens is you not only get, as I said, not only intimacy, I don't mean sexual intimacy, I don't mean that. Uh, you not only get intimacy with yourself and other, uh, uh, other people, what happens is at some point, the intimacy it gets towards it's called the we space or the logos mm, yeah. or the geist right and then and, and then sometimes if if that can be taken even deeper you start to that that intimacy with the logos instead of relating to it you relate through it and you can start to get a mm. sense of the depths um yeah. the deep calling to the deep like it says in the psalms right. um and, and so for me um I, I think that when people taste this, they almost always people have this experience. Uh, they 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 taste it, and they they say things like, "That's all I've I've been looking for this for a long time." They'll say, "Like I, I kind of I sort of did, knew what I was looking for, but I didn't." And then and, right, and same thing with like guys guys send stocks circling, and, and other things. Uh, and, and so, I think. I, I've, invent, I, I've sort of coined this term reinventio. The Latin word inventio means to make and discover. And then I say reinventio. I think we're, I don't think this is something radically new. I think we're reinventio, something that is perennially available to human beings, but we've lost it because yeah. we have concentrated too much on the communication of propositions and their mm -hmm. victory or defeat, what Plato calls philia nikea. And we've lost philia sophia, the love of wisdom, which is, dropping below the propositional into the procedural, the perspectival, and the participatory so that we can commune together. And, and also, if it'll allow me to speak religiously, we can commune with God, right? We're communing mm -hmm. together. And, 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 and I do not mean any insult to Christianity here. The way the communing with each other and the communing with God are somehow two different aspects of the same thing. Right. I, I think that. And I, I think you say reinventio and, and what came to my mind was redemptio. Uh, oh, right, because, right, right. Because yeah. I, I think a lot about the, I mean, I never put the T.O. at the end, but I think a lot about the idea of redemption and and kind of uh, what it might mean. And it's one of those transcendent concepts for me, for sure. And That's a good I, connection, though. I think I, it's a very good connection. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, because I, I do think that we, I mean, I guess if you're, if you were doing it all the time, it wouldn't be a redemption, a redemptive process. Uh, yeah. because it would just be a, a state, you know, or I'm not quite a state, but it's, a, you know, it's something you can enter into, but it feels like something to redeem for me. It feels like something that, that we, we re, when we reconnect with this, this part of ourselves, there, there is a redemption, yeah. there's a prodigal. Uh, well, well, maybe or, I can say something about that because I think there's a, 
stereoscopic in a different way thing that happens in this. I mean, you get a retrospective process that's therapeutic and healing, and you get a prospective process that's aspirational um, mm -hmm. in which you are trying to overcome your inertia and immaturity and, and, and move to uh, a, a more virtuous self in a uh, more meaningful world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, I mean, the, the, if what you mean by redemption, and I don't know if, you, if that's what you mean, but if you mean that simultaneous, like almost like the left and right fields of vision are stereoscopically yeah. fused, if you mean the prospective healing, sorry, the retrospective healing and the prospective aspiration, yeah, then I would say yeah. that in that sense, the process is very redemptive. Yeah. There is, there is. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I was thinking about that, that bi-directional uh, element of it, but now that you say that, I definitely am because yeah. when you have a moment of redemption or when you are in the presence of someone with who, who has a redemptive uh, you know, creates a redemptive space somehow the chances, I mean, I really don't, I can't imagine uh, a person uh, being in a redemptive scenario and still saying that still feeling that they were shit 10 minutes ago. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. <laughs> like it's not just a redemption. You're right. It does have a bi-directional kind of element yeah. to it. It, it had, right. you know, it's like uh, you you're moving forward with grace, but you are uh, looking backwards with grace as well, because you just can't, I don't think you can operate. I don't think redemption can operate within self-hatred. Uh, or maybe I'm. This is new to me. So no, me no. I, I mean, and and I, 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 I'm very concerned about potentially speaking on behalf of Christianity. I, I'm just trying to. Uh, uh, go I ahead. Mean, even even sort of um, ideas of like salvation, which originally had a, it was connected to salve to heal, right, to make whole, mm -hmm. um, and, and then sanctification, which was to move into a, a state right, uh, 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 some kind of self-transcendence, um, uh, uh, spiritual ascent. Um, so, and my understanding was redemption was always the kairos, the pivoting point uh, between those that allowed you to see backwards into your salvation, like, uh, and like you said, a healing and, and forwards into your sanctification. I just don't use those words because I'm not um, a Christian, yeah, but that's, yeah, right, so I use right. retrospective healing and prospective aspiration. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's true. And I, I use those. I mean, I, I identify self-identified as a, as a Christian earlier in the conversation, but, uh, I, the, the type of Christian I am is, uh, I think I, I sort of an exploded Christian or something like that, uh, <laughs> where, uh, I went through the process that should have, um, should have resulted in, uh, my atheism. Right. And just based on, I think, the grace of the fact uh, that I, I didn't want to not believe anymore, I realized that I had this unusual sense of faith in, 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 uh, in the unknown God. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had this, this the, the, my unknowing, I began to kind of cradle that as yeah. something uh, precious. And so... Um, I wanted to talk to you today about the idea of the sacred because 
uh, all of these terms, even though they're where my brain is at, like uh, aspirational and, and all of that isn't, it's just yeah. not, those aren't the words I've used to describe it, but we may very well be thinking of the same thing when we, when we use these terms. We could and, be. And, we could be. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to make a claim, but, um, I wanted to kind of can to see what your, um, perspective would be on the term sacred. When I first talked to you, I was really excited because I wasn't hearing the term wisdom discussed as much as I would have liked in society. And I was feeling like that was a neglected term. And now I'm feeling like the term sacred, mm -hmm. it's, it's a similar idea where we don't really know what it is anymore, even religious and non-religious people. So what, how, would you, how would you move into describing sacred yeah, the sacred. So, so, I mean, a lot of I want to give really due credit here. A lot of what I'm going to say is based on work, ongoing work with Christopher Mastapietro, uh, Jordan Hall, Guy Senstock. Um, Zach Stein has had a huge influence on me, too. Um, mm. So for me, the sacred, uh, first of all, something that sounds like a useless definition, but there's a point to it. The sacred is that which affords the experience of sacredness. Because I want to have two terms. I want to use the word sacredness to talk about the experience and the sacred as that which affords or causes the experience of sacredness. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, and then the, the way of thinking about that is, well, what am I experiencing in the experience of sacredness? Well, I'm experiencing, I would argue what I was arguing earlier. I'm experiencing a continuity of contact with something that transcends me and affords my self-transcendence that is prospectively healing and homing me, uh, sorry, retrospectively he healing and homing me and prospectively causing me to open up in awe and wonder to mm. aspects of the world. And mm. so this, the sacredness, the, the, the experience of sacredness is that experience. I'm in, I'm in some sort of continuity of contact uh, with myself, with other people in the world. And what it's doing is I'm I, it's constantly affording uh, self-transcendence that is retrospectively healing, homing me, and prospectively uh, 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 affording my aspiration and in, in, in wonder and awe um, and helping me cultivate virtue, et cetera, wisdom and virtue. So for me, that's the experience of sacredness. And then mm. given that experience, I try to answer the question, well, what kind of I don't want to say thing, what kind of reality, to use a neutral term, what kind of reality uh, could afford and support that um, mm. and, 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 could, and could be plausibly convergent with the experience of people, you know, mystics and who talk about uh, this, these prof the, the, the profoundest experiences mm. of meaning and sacredness that they have. And so the, the, what comes up for me <coughs> is the sacred is uh, a way in which we have an inexhaustible fount of intelligibility. Uh, so the sacred is that which const we can't, like, no matter how, the, like the Tao Te Chan, no matter how much you drink the Tao, you can never drink it up, mm. right? Um, yeah. and, 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 and so it, it's, it, it's, it, it's an inexhaustible fount of intelligibility. Uh, that would make it the grandest affordance of that ongoing self-transcendence. Let's use your term, redemptive, redemptive self-transcendence, right? Mm. Um, and what that means is, and, and there's sort of an eminent and emergent aspect, right, um, to it. I, like things are, are emerging and, and transcending themselves, 
but they're not doing it in a chaotic, disordered way. Possibility is, there's a, there's a space and a shape to possibility. So things, as, as they emerge, they also disclose an emergent order uh, that afforded mm. them. Right. <clears throat> and so in any object, and this is, this is where it connects to the cognitive science, any object is combinatorially explosive in, in the sense of all the ways it can potentially connect to everything else. That's inexhaustible. And any object is also ultimately pre-categorical. Every object, right? It, it, mm. There's a, let me use a Buddhist term, has its own unique suchness that can't be captured by any of our categorical. And for me, the sacred is that which in emergence, in emanation, binds the moreness to the suchness so that I have an inexhaustible fount of intelligibility. Okay. Wow. So you had a, you had a good answer for that. That is, but it's one I, it's one I'd almost want to listen back to. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's, that's, uh, that's really great. So what, it, what uh, things that came into my mind uh, were that uh, your sense of the sacred in a sense is not, uh, doesn't have a locality even a even a conceptual locality so even a locality within like a, a you know you, you, there's no there's no uh temple uh, uh in in which it can be held no tabernacle in, in which it the the sacred oh, is held oh, and yeah. and yet um uh, it really does make us as individuals uh, as conscious individuals it does make us in a way the tabernacle in which um, this sacredness finds locality because uh, we um, simply tr try to become aware of it, to, to live through it, to, to, yeah. to take of the fountain, the inexhaustible uh, fountain of, of, of the sacred and, in a strange way, we are partaking of the fountain. We are the fountain, uh, and yet it doesn't have a temporal. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is not temporal, and so like you, you can see, I think. I mean, the other thing that it, that you have to acknowledge is that this comes from a subjective sense of need, right? There's a need. Um, it comes, but it comes from both a subjective sense and an objective response. So it's inherently transjective. Right. Ooh, yeah. uh, Good word. So I don't. I, I, I'm not Schleiermacher. I'm not saying the sacred is just that which creates in us a feeling of of being conditioned on something uh, else. Right. I'm not saying right. that. Uh, I'm saying no. That there's there's there there's a reciprocal opening. Right. The the the, the inspiration of this is Platonic right. anagoge. Right. As I self transcend, more of the world is disclosed, which then affords me to self transcend more, which discloses more of the world, and so on. Yeah. And so forth. And, yeah. And so. Yeah, very much well, that. I, I mentioned the objective and subjective uh, in, in no way to impugn the subjective experience. I guess I'm just saying that um, I don't. I don't see a way towards the. I don't see a way towards the sacred without a sense, without a subjective sense of of need or longing or. or oh yeah, very or, much. Um, so that's yeah. that's why I think the word love is important. Right. Uh, right, and so. And and what 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 love can be as a virtue, and, and you know this is in the symposium. Um, uh, 
it is, you know, and Schlegel talked about this, Schlegel, not Hegel, Schlegel, we are finite beings longing for the infinite, right? Uh, we, we, part of what this, what happens is a, a capacity to shape the, the emptiness, the whole of hunger into the space of receptivity that, that affords reciprocal opening. Mm, and I right. think that's, and that, that capacity to do that, um, I, I, that's where I would use the, the words like spirit because it affords you getting into self-transcendence. I would use the word soul for that in you that allows you to participate in the non-logical unity between the suchness and the moreness. That's what your soul is. And your spirit is that how the hunger has been shaped into a receptivity that draws you beyond mm. yourself. That's that's how I try to think. So I think mm. of them as as these three things, the self, the soul, and the spirit are different ways of talking about the, the same sort of fundamental thing. Mm. Yeah. That's great. And I mean, and, and again, it's one of those things where the where those those terms all have definitions and it's going to be frustrating for people to who have a different vision of the soul and who haven't kind of or yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 really interesting. And I do think that the spirit um sorry, how did you describe the spirit again? Just say it one more time. So the, the, so the spirit, what I was saying with the spirit is is you're you're right. I mean, um I use the metaphor of hunger, right? So hunger is a lack, but hunger is a, is a it's a literal lack in you, but hunger starts to shape you and guide right. you in and, and, and makes you receptive. So you can, you, you're called into action. You're called beyond yourself. And yeah. so part of what we need to, what spirit is, is that capacity to shape our lack into, mm. right? In, ah. in, into a receptivity for that, mm -hmm. which transcends us into, the, right. the receptivity to the and, sacred whereas i said the soul is i think your capacity to participate in like the the moreness and suchness yeah. of okay. the sacred so the soul right. the soul is a bigger like a capacity and the spirit is the sort of where the where, you, where yeah. your intentionality meets with yeah. the activity yeah. of yeah. of uh feeding the soul kind of thing okay and the reason i do that is because of the original metaphor of, of spiritus is wind Right. It's a, mm, yeah, right. a self-moving thing. Yeah. Right. My first experience, it's funny because uh, I heard about the Holy Spirit my whole life, obviously, uh, growing yeah. up in the, in the, I shouldn't say obviously, you don't know my history necessarily, but growing up in the church, Southern Baptist father, uh, more ser worship services than I could count. Yeah. And then I, I, I hit this period of my life where I was uh, probably around when I was talking to you first, where I felt I was being pulled in. I was being pulled in two. I was becoming two people. Uh, I was having genuine experiences of transcendent faith uh, when in a collective uh, kind of usually musical uh, situation. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, then I was having, uh, be, well, becoming an atheist in the other half of myself. And uh, one day when playing music, I, I had this sense of the Holy Spirit being that which connects uh, things we thought couldn't be connected um ah, you know the holy yeah, spirit yeah, yeah, uh yeah. connecting and even even like um you know even in, in the continuing with the trinitarian analogy the holy spirit connecting the father who is is history and, and establishment the ground of all being the the yeah, the yeah. the the massive the uh, incalculable yeah. with right. the the son which is the um almost like 
iconoclastic, specific, temporal, uh, you know, current, um, uh, personal, um, and the Holy Spirit, you know, you could very easily feel like these things in their individual experiences couldn't be connected and the Holy Spirit connects them. That's very interesting. Um, I get, I wonder if that maps on to, I mean, I, I guess I would map the father onto that, the inexhaustible um, or where, and the son onto the logos of intelligibility, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the ground yeah. of being, and then, right, the, the, the continual fount of intelligibility is of course mm -hmm. the logos. And I mean, that's a biblical thing even to say, right? right and then right. The, the, the spirit is exactly us being, because the spirit is within us and prays on our behalf, right? Is, this, is that shaping uh, right. uh, and drawing us in um, uh, to that? That's how I think of it. Again, I mean, but I'm not a Christian, so well, I really yeah. hesitate to, uh, well, I, I, maybe this is helpful to you. I don't know. I, I want to be helpful. I genuinely do. I don't want to no, be good. insulting. It's yeah. really good. No, no, no. It's it, it's really great. Uh, in fact, I always think that uh, that hearing people uh, outside of uh, of religious uh, systems, um, you know, there's an honesty. There's a, there can be an honesty of, available to to you that because uh, you're not. It's not an. You know, if you ever approach a Christian idea, it's it's in a non ideological way, and that, and that's yeah. my goal is to try and do the same. And if you think about the space. Yeah. Uh, if you think about the space created between the father and the son and, and that, that space being filled with the Holy spirit um, you could, you know, it's almost like a vapor that fills a yeah. void. And, and that kind of, uh, that kind of maps quite well into, in, into what you're saying. It's, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's yeah. a void and, and it's partially, I mean, the only thing I would say is that instead of being a, um, instead of the spirit being the way that we shape the void I would almost say that the spirit is a way that we can um, start to grasp the shape of the void. Uh, if that maybe makes both. sense, maybe yeah, both. It would be both exactly both because, yeah, yeah, both. I mean, I mean, this is this is right at the edge of my kind of uh, <laughs> um, metaphorical thinking or something like that. But well, uh, welcome to Dialogos. That's where we're <laughs> supposed to be when we're doing Dialogos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't, I can't put into words why. Uh, or or how it could be both us shaping and 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 uh, also identifying the shape of uh, the well i have an analogy for that which is doing tai chi chuan when you're doing tai chi chuan you are shaping but you are also being shaped uh, uh, by how you're moving and the environment around you um, mm -hmm. so there I'm, I'm i think i have a phenomenological sense of what you're trying to convey mm. Yeah, uh, that's good because I don't even know that I do. I'm I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of yeah maybe in in, but, uh, in but, that. But, but that's that's good wonder, right? Wonder is kind of the opposite of bullshit. Um, bullshit is when we are caught up in the salience, but we're inertial. We're not willing to change because we become uh, we've become unconcerned with our virtue. We've become unconcerned with truth and reality. Mm. Wonder is the opposite. Right, where things are salient beyond our understanding, but precisely because we want to move, we want to call things into question, we want to be transformed. Yeah. And so I think being on what Fisher calls the horizon of intelligibility, he he says that what that's what wonder is. It's mm. to be on the moving horizon of intelligibility. Mm. To be right that. here with you, I think is is literally, and I mean this, wonderful. Right. And so. Oh yeah. Likewise. Thank you. That's good. Great. Um, 
so then if we're um we're getting into the sacred um and it kind of leads towards the uh intent the reason that i uh reached out or kind of ostensibly said let's talk about um the concept of the profane yes uh, be, yeah. and and i was interested in that because it does appear that um dualities dualities naturally form yep. uh through yep. these concepts and that a certain amount of uh uh grace or or something or 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 a certain amount of intention uh towards the shadow side uh, of these things if it can be called that um is needed right so when when there is the sacred um it i mean i think we we may have all ex seen or experienced uh quote unquote spiritual situations in which it was just pure bliss being yeah. described and there was something lacking in it because there maybe isn't a sense of of the profane i don't know if that makes sense well, uh, let, yeah. let me try um so um I, I think that as i said reverence is is that is the virtue that we're talking about here about uh being in right relationship with um the sacred um and i think how i understand profanity is that my, my way of understanding it is okay, maybe this is biblical. I mean, I was deeply influenced by Christian. And this is the way Chris and I talk about Christian Master Pietro and I. I think of the profane as a kind of holding on that turns what should be iconic, meaning we see through it, like your mm. original thing of the words with the light shining behind it, into something idolatrous, in mm. which we start to think that by holding on to this thing, we will somehow have gotten control over even an ability to consume the light that shines through it. And, uh, and so I, I take mm. it that the, the biblical criticism of idolatry, and it's, it exists in other traditions, analogous things exist in, I think, all of the great uh, world religions and wisdom traditions, right? The, 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 the profane, I think of it more as an action. It is an action mm. of uh, 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 where you're you're lacking the virtue of reverence, so that you turn what should be iconic into something that is idolatrous. Mm. That is how that's how I understand, and that okay. that feeds okay. in, that that feeds into Tillich's um, theology. So Tillich thinks whenever we treat something uh, as a, a surrogate or a replacement for our, what what ultimately concerns us which I take he means to be the God beyond God and the ground of being, right? Um, whenever we do that, we're engaging in uh, a degradation, uh, the degradation of, of idolatry. And it, it goes both ways because what we do is we start narrowing the world and we're making the world opaque and we start narrowing ourselves. We get into, a re we get into the reverse, we get into reciprocal narrowing. And, and, that, you know, and that's actually addiction. Addiction mm -hmm. is a kind of idolatry in which we get narrowed and the world gets narrowed until this there's this object is basically you know the 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 this finite object is taking the place 
of spirituality, mm. right? And that's why there's a longstanding association between addiction and spirits, right? Interesting. Uh, so yeah, so then idolatry would sort of be, or the idol would be kind of the lo the locality of of the idolatry, and then uh, the profanity would be the kind of action we take. The to, attitude, uh, yeah, the attitude and action, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So like a, a a rape would be uh, to profane sexuality. Yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. Okay. Because what you've done is you have you, your irreverence, your irreverence has shut down the possibility that love can be iconic uh, for you and for the other person right. uh, and, and afford reciprocal opening. And, and instead, what you've done is your irreverence has profaned that because you have locked this into possessing and consuming this individual in a completely idolatrous fashion. Mm. Yes. Mm. So uh, following on to that, then um, you're making me feel you're making me feel like I'm an inherently religious thinker. That's there's a very interesting <laughs> this a, is a, a, very, a very interesting conversation going uh, on. This is what I I tend to do this to people. I, I have been as surprised as anybody to find out that I have this uh, this uh, spiritual side. I did not know until yeah. I until I thought maybe God wasn't there. I did not know that I had a spiritual side and it tends to happen. It sometimes happens with people. I've got another, one of my closest friends, uh, he gets really Christian uh, when we get into the dialogos together, which is really funny because yeah. he, he's, yeah. he's been very har harmed by Christianity in very many legitimate yeah. ways. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, so uh, uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering then uh, where the, the concept of rebellion and because one thing that's been on my mind recently is the notion of rebellion and um, as opposed to revolution, uh, where uh, I think of revolution as something where you realize that the, the something sacred has been lost on a large to a large yeah, degree yeah. and that uh, a violent either conceptually or physically violent, um, you know, overthrow is, is the way to return to uh, to the proper uh, sense of the transcendent or something like that. But rebellion is this kind of more sustained uh, low level um, uh, uh, shadow um, side of things that might be a necessary it might have a necessary element to it. You know, I think of, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, good goodness. The comedian with the ponytail who was an older guy now. Uh, George Carlin? George Carlin. Yeah, I think of George Carlin doing his, his uh, you know, cocksucker, uh, yeah, motherfucker, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, where yeah. he rattles off every, every swear word in one, uh, all the worst swear words in one sentence. And there's something deeply affirming... <laughs> Maybe this is just me. So you you might just be completely offended by George Carlin, uh, but there's something deeply affirming in um, in bringing some of these things to light and to it's it's almost like a way of acknowledging um, that we don't change our state uh, into um, when when we approach the sacred we don't change our state into someone who is now sacred, who was profane and is now sacred. You know what I mean? That there yeah. is always a, a part of ourselves. Um, that is in the dark, um, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. that we need forgiveness for. Go ahead if you have thoughts. I, I'm kind of. Well, uh, I mean, I think if I understand you, the a, a proper part, and they intersect, and, and the, the way the virtues relate to each other is. I think of every virtue is just a way of being how you are specifically wise in a specific context. 
I don't I, like so. Mm, okay. Being kind here is how I'm being wise here. Being courageous here okay. is how I'm being being wise here. Ah, but so I good. think of uh, I think of humility and reverence as you know parts of the way in which we are pr appropriately wise with respect to the sacred. Um, right. So I think a, an ongoing recognition of our fallibility. Uh, and that's why I talk a lot about the very processes that make us adaptive, make us subject to self-deceptive, self-destructive, and mm -hmm. ultimately other destructive behavior. And I've had a Christian come up to me and say, that's sort of a new way of talking about original sin, which I, I, I didn't quite know what to do with that. But, um, <laughs> um, but um, Carlin, you see, I think people, you know, Lenny Bruce and Carlin, I think people have learned the wrong lesson from that. Mm. Because if you listen to uh, some of Lenny Bruce, you listen to Carlin, especially. I grew up with Carlin. I'm, I'm that old, right? There was a, there was a reverence, but there was a reverence for for the sake of like almost like a prophet, like a, a biblical prophet. There was an irreverence mm. for the sake of trying to reconnect people to what they should properly have reverence for. The way mm. I think of Carlin is I think of him like Diogenes, the cynic, who would oh, yeah. do these very provocative things. The barrel guy. Yeah. Masturbating yeah. in public. Yes, exactly. And, and that's exactly that because, and people were deeply offended at that in the marketplace while all the time what they're doing is lying, cheating and stealing from each other, but that's what's offending them, <laughs> right? And so yeah. the point that the, the, we, and, and, and this even shows up in our word cynical, we only have one half of cynicism. Cynicism isn't just irreverence, right? Cynicism mm. is irreverence for the sake of recovering what we should have proper reverence for, right? Mm. Okay. So, so yeah. So right. What Di what Diogenes was trying to get people to see was that they care. They 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 cared so much about controlling this, but they didn't actually care about being virtuous. And they should have a proper mm. right a reverence for virtue. That's why he did that act. Which oh, that's so disgusting. Of course, because he's doing something like performance art that's trying to make us yeah. recover it. Now, I think of I think of Carlin as doing that very well. His artistry was that he had both sides of cynicism. Mm, yeah. A lot of more recent comedians have degenerated into what we typically mean by the word cynicism, right? Mm. That, that one-sided, lopsided irreverence yeah, yeah. And, and, right. and, and, and what, what's been called, I think by Ricoeur, the perpetual hermeneutics of suspicion. <laughs> I'm all, you're suspecting everyone. Okay, well, that's, that's just like you can't trust anyone. Yeah, and, and again, why isn't that just a, a sign of defeat on your part? Right. Um, so. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I would uh, that's what I would say about that. Sure, and I like that. I, I like that uh, way. I, I really like that characterization of of wisdom in kind of a hierarchy with other virtues. As with, yeah. you know, this is how you're wise because we all know there are times where where the virtue of empathy is the worst thing is is an exactly. unwise thing to yeah. do, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or the virtue any virtue, and so. The yeah, I mean, I guess when, when someone is profane, it, it is verbally profane in the proper way, what they can really be doing is highlighting uh, what you know the the whole concept of profanity, and there, yeah, and, and, and there and they, is a sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, but what like, but they could, the, the they 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 don't just smash things, they right. they punch holes in things so we can look through them. So look, when we have an idol, we have to get back the ability to look through it. Sometimes that requires us smashing holes in the idol so that we can turn it back into an icon and we can see through it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's really good. And, and uh, 
I, I do think there's there's a, a certain uh, like people like George Carlin um, are interesting because in a moralistic society, it's difficult to know how it's okay to be uh, a a person who who makes a living from things you shouldn't say, <laughs> you know. And 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 there's there's kind of this there there are in the moralism or like the there's a twofold response. Some people would hear uh, someone who attacks a sacred cow, someone who makes jokes about cancer or something like that. And, and they feel let off the chain, you know, and the, okay, well, we're doing this, let's, let's yeah, go. And yeah, then, and then yeah. just move into, into depravity. And then other people say, well, you've, you've, you know, you, you've offended me and, and, and you've done something sort of objectively wrong. And I guess that's, that's always been a tension in my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. In that, um, sometimes in living, trying to live into uh, my purpose, uh, what or what I, you know, living into my purpose, that I almost see as as the same thing as discovering uh, my identity or, or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you realize that you might be the exception to like, and I'm not. I don't. This is so hard to talk about because it's very existential for me. But yeah, you yeah. realize that to do what you're to move towards the horizon you're being called towards, yeah. Um, you have to treat yourself as an exception uh, to something, and it's not uh, the people like George Carlin would be like uh, an extreme example, right? Saying the yeah. word "cunt" uh, yeah. on a regular basis, uh, yeah. It, yeah. you know, is something that he is treating himself as exceptional to do that. Right. Uh, you know, right. I'm the guy yeah. who can say "cunt" whenever I want. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. or, or, you know, or, or maybe I earn the right or something like that. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm just, I'm not asking a question so much as kind of having a realization that, um, that, uh, this spirituality that we discussed earlier, which is kind of an openness, uh, never locking into, to a yeah. definition or that kind of thing, uh, does lead it leads in some in some sketchy directions like you know <laughs> like it leads us to places where we're maybe we feel like we're not supposed to go and, and we reach a boundary that 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 we feel shouldn't be a boundary or we feel it should something we should go across shouldn't should go across but i'm a father you know i have children and i don't want to uh you know i i, I don't want to cross the boundary and then say well that i wouldn't want my children to cross i don't know like is anything is anything sort of stirring in in your mind as i say this or have i gone off no, I, I mean, I think I get it. I think that um, I'm going to keep trying to play in your arena. I think there's always a tension between the priest and the prophet. Um, and, you know, the priest is setting up the rituals, coordinating the space, but the prophet yeah. comes in and turns out, knocks over mm -hmm. the, you know, all, eats all the, the blessed the, food. Yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. Uh, because again, I think, the, the 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 temptation of the the right the temptation is towards idolatry and, and getting locked in uh, I mean so you know the person who started this at least to my mind is Lenny Bruce but when, when you know Lenny Bruce he would you he, he would be he would use what you would call profanity but he, it's because he had words were sacred to him that's my sense of him words were sacred to him hmm. and he was trying to get people to recover a sacred attitude towards words, um, an iconic attitude towards words, rather than a taboo and idolatrous notion mm. towards words. So he's very much like Diogenes. 
It's uh, a redempt. That's a redemptive process in itself. It is. It, it is. And he's and so. Uh, I mean, there's danger. And like I said, it, and one of the dangers is, and this is something I'm critical of, is it's people can just degenerate, and I think that's the right word, into just irreverence for its own sake. And they, and they just like smashing things mm. uh, because, and you know, Fromm talks about this, when you're, when you're locked into modal confusion and you're feeling radically disconnected, the only connection you can often find is by smashing things and mm. destroying them. So the only way to touch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the only way to feel. Yeah, and so exactly. So I, I think that's, that's problematic. And so, uh, like, I, I, I think we have to, well, we have to, again, we have to, we have to exercise reverence. We have to exercise due care. We have to get into a place where we're leading people into wonder and awe, but not horrifying them because there's nothing gained. So we don't want to leave people comfortably at home, but we don't want to, we don't want to put them into the disorientation of horror, right? Yeah. Uh, and right. so getting something in between that that's properly reverential is well that's how i try to live my life at yeah. least my patterns of communication i think what uh i think what i'm hearing is that um while there are these sort of um seeming opposites uh that that take place sacred profane righteousness sin time and eternity descent redemption i i actually made a few notes beforehand but uh we've got these kind of things that feel like um uh opposites um on a spectrum but um what i'm hearing from you is that um we the important thing is to actually say that one of them is uh primary uh so so in other words the sense of the sacred uh the sense of the sacred does kind of create and bring along with itself the sense of the profane and yet yeah. the i the um the idea of a spectrum where i'm just i'm i'm back and forth along these two things and and now i'm you know now i am profane and now i am sacred and maybe i have to choose i'm going to be profane is is kind of misguided in that it's important to to just keep the sacred as the as the primary thing just like darkness is is not its own thing it's an absence of light sacred is it it's cold is an absence of of heat is that yeah that's right uh i would agree with that but <laughs> I, I guess what how i want to modify it is i was trying to suggest that there that the, the relationship between the sacred and the profane is more dialectical that there is a, there's within the sacred there is what you could call the profane moment insofar as mm. that's prophetic and and, and mm. within the with right and so i'm actually proposing a dialectical relationship between mm. them and one of the things I'm arguing for sort of in the big picture is I'm arguing that sort of our fundamental ontology discloses itself dialectically to us. And so the best way of getting co- so that we can conform to that is to practice dialectical thought, dialectical mm. communication. The dialectic right. within conforms us to the dialectic without so that we can enter into dialogos. That's mm. that's what I'm proposing. Well, I like the idea that you're saying that the our ontology reveals itself to us yeah. because I think... Uh, maybe this is just me, but I feel like the modernist uh, way of looking at that is that we we shape our ontology. Uh, no, I, I think we participate in it. Yeah, uh, I, think no, I, both, that's, I, I think both I the, the rationalist top down and the empiricist bottom up are wrong. Aaron, mm-hmm. I, I, I got I to go soon. Uh, but, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is this has been really wonderful, really enjoyable for me. Um, 
and, and thank you for thank you for doing this, stimulating a lot of thoughts. Um, and uh, yeah, um, so anything you want to promote coming up? Like you 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 say you have a, a book. Uh, so inner and outer dialogues will hopefully be coming out. Um, um, the the book which was previously the cognitive continuum is now more. The, uh, I think we moved towards calling it ecological rationality. Um, but it's about the cognitive continuum that should be coming out. Um, the, they were this year, uh, the first part of the awakening from the meaning crisis is being transformed into a book. It, it's, and it's almost done and it all, it, ha, it has amendments and figures and an extensive glossary. That's, that's going to, that's, that's coming. Um, take a look at the new series, uh, just like I did untangling the world, not on consciousness. There's a new one called the elusive eye capital I, the nature and function of the self. Well, mm. some of the things we talked about today will be coming out. Uh, we recorded the first uh, session of that uh, this week. So that's going to be forthcoming. It'll still, those will start being released in about uh, three or four weeks. Um, so okay. those are all, those are all things coming down the pipe. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I, I, I can, with sight unseen, I can recommend all of those because it, it just sounds wonderful and I'll definitely be taking those in and thank you for generously giving me your, your time today. It was great, Aaron. I really enjoyed this. Thank <laughs> you.